Welcome to Illuminate, a podcast to help you find your way through the light of God's Word. I'm Shelly Hitz, and I'm here with my husband, CJ. Hey, guys. Uh, welcome on this last uh, week leading up to Christmas. I know. Uh, Can you believe it's Christmas already? <laughs> Where did the year amazing. go? And for those of you that uh, really follow Advent, uh, you know that Advent is considered the last four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And so it's, um, you know, it's it's the way Christians around the world usher in um, the Lord's coming. And, of course, we're celebrating the first Advent, which, you know, Advent means um, coming. It means arrival. It also means uh, literally the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And so it's not just an event, it's an advent. <laughs> but, um, you know, again, uh, this is the last Sunday coming in before uh, Christmas. And so we're celebrating that, that first advent of when Jesus entered into the world, took the, uh, the form of human flesh, and was born a baby, uh, you know, in Bethlehem. And we're celebrating him coming into this world really, uh, for the first time, and ultimately, he'll come again. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit as well, in terms of that second Advent. Yeah, you know, I've always heard the name Advent, and growing up in the church, you know, you hear about all of these things. And I don't know where you're at today, those of you that are listening. If you've been in the church, that seems like forever. I was there the first Sunday of my life. <laughs> or if this is something new for you, but I just love that thought of the arrival and the coming because this year we've been reading through the Bible and, you know, I'm still working my way through it, but I, I am too. <laughs> so behind. we'll be, um, you know, God's just showed me you're right on time. You know, whatever I'm reading, I, I need at that time. But, you know, rereading all of the stories of the Kings and the exile of the Israelites, you know, all of the things that happened through the years, it really makes this whole topic of the coming of Christ, the advent of Christ, even more significant because they were waiting, right? They yeah. were waiting for this Messiah, this Savior. Exactly. And, you know, there's all kinds of passages we could actually refer to, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, and the Gospels. But I do uh, want to read a passage from Isaiah chapter 9, which is a fairly popular passage among, you know, those who are reading Christmas, Christmassy type yeah. of uh, passages. You hear this, these verses a lot around Christmas. But uh, I guess this first one that I want to look at I'm just going to go ahead and read the whole thing. It's the first seven verses of Isaiah chapter 9. And it says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. And of course, at this time, Isaiah is giving this prophecy about 700 years before the birth of Christ. And yeah, so keep that in mind. That's significant. <laughs> the, the Israelites are under siege. They've been captives of been conquered. Babylon and Assyria and Persia and you name it. They've been captives. And uh, the Lord essentially turned them over, you know, to other 
other nations due to their, their evil. And basically said, sure, if you want to be slaves to other nations instead of to, you know, instead of being under my authority, then great, you know, I'll let you do that. But essentially, that this is where we're starting here. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Amen. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice of the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. Let me pause right there. When I read that verse, for you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders, it reminded me of Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, where Jesus himself says, Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And right. If you know anything about oxen being yoked, of course, when you've got two oxen being yoked, it makes the job much easier. In fact, it's almost like those two oxen are competing against one another. <laughs> and that's the same way with horses. You, you get two horses as opposed to one, and it's actually more than double the power because those two horses begin playing <laughs> off of each other. And it's the same way with, with these bursts of, uh, bursts, uh, beasts of burden, uh, <laughs> oxen. When they're yoked together, it was like the job was made easier. And I want you just to picture yourself being yoked with Christ and Christ actually being the one that's doing most of the work. Right. Okay, that's where the burden is light. Now, we follow him. We keep our eyes on him. We are under his authority. But as we do that... The burden becomes light because the Lord does the work within us. So keep that in mind regarding just a, a reference there. Um, again, verse uh, 4, for, your, for, for you will break the yoke of their slavery and, and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. Now, I'm assuming, Shelley, that that's almost referring back to uh, Gideon. You know, oh giddy, and uh, <laughs> you know when 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 they were under the captivity of the Midianites, and everybody was hiding, including Gideon. And eventually, the Lord would win a mighty victory over the Midianite army with Gideon. He whittled down Gideon's original ten thousand troops down to three hundred. And, of course, know, we know that crazy. the Lord takes all the glory for that victory. But I'm assuming that that's what uh, Isaiah is referring to when it, when it talks about destroying the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. And here's a really popular passage that we, uh, we know in this uh, Isaiah prophecy. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. 
Amen. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David. Again, a kingly reference for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Yeah, and when I was reading this, I mean, the very first thing right off the bat that struck me was from the very first verse. And it says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. And that just gave me such a picture of hope. Like, this is not going to last forever. You know, there is hope for something different. And I remember hearing this acronym for HOPE. Hold on, pain ends. Mm -hmm. This too will end. You know, one of my friends said her favorite um, scripture, you know, a verse in the Bible was, and then it came to pass. Because, you know, everything at some point will pass. But better is coming. And there was this hope within Israelites through this prophecy that something better was coming. They were not going to be captives. They were not going to be conquered forever. Yeah. And of course, you know, again, you know, it mentioning that Jesus uh, was in the line of David, you know, it, Jesus literally was born in, in the lineage uh, where, where Mary and Joseph, you know, of Judah. Uh, well, he, that's why they call him the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And so he was born in that line of kings. Now, of course, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, not not due to human uh, passion between Mary and Joseph, you know he was he was conceived supernaturally, and so that's what makes him different in terms of having a kingdom that will rule for all eternity. Now, if we refer to just the kings, you know, going all the way back to Saul, who was the first king that was anointed, you know, in Israel. This was all due, if you look back to 1 Samuel chapter 8, the people wanted a king. And why did they want a king? Well, because everybody else has one, and so we want one too. You know, our, <laughs> our neighbors, other nations, they have kings. Why can't we have one? And of course, you know, they complained and they wanted a human figure to be in that place of authority. And they, they essentially were rejecting God. And, yeah, and God even told told Samuel that. Because God had given them judges that he would speak through and give them things, but that wasn't good enough for them. You know, they wanted a human king. And so that started this lineage of king after king after king, most of them evil kings. I mean, if you go back, and I have, I've looked through all of and there are some definitely good kings, you know, the most notable David, but so much evil in the line of kings that came after. Yeah, and so, you know, this prophecy that we just read, you know, it's talking about a, a new king, you know. And, and, of course, when Jesus did arrive on the scene as a baby, it says that people were expecting something to happen. Except what they were expecting was someone who would overthrow the Romans, who were the current empire, and they basically wanted Jesus to essentially take over, start the kingdom, do away with all these, you know, pagan nations and these Gentiles. And, you know, we want them all conquered and we want this, this kingdom to come. And what they missed was 
that the first time Jesus comes, you know, as another prophecy mentions in Isaiah, is that he would come as the suffering servant. And he would establish a new kind of kingdom, which right. isn't physical, but it's, uh, it's spiritual in nature. Yeah, so I was actually curious. I kind of looked it up, and, you know, Isaiah made this prophecy 700 years before Christ was born. But I was like, how long was it between the last king that was reigning when Israel still had its freedom to when Jesus was born? So Israel was a divided kingdom, and it was actually um, the... The, the kingdom of Judah, that was the last king standing, so to speak. And so it was 587 years between Zedekiah, I think is how you say it, mm-hmm. <laughs> between Zedekiah, which was the last king of Judah, and then they were conquered by all these other nations, and they were like subjects to these other kings, these other nations, and they did not have their own king until when Jesus came. And then there was like what they they call this 400 years of silence when, you know, when God was not speaking through the prophets and things like that. So there was this huge gap of time between when they had their own nation, they had their own kings, 586 years, somewhere around there, And then this 400 years of silence, they were expectant. They were waiting for something to change. They were desperate for something to change. And, you know, it's amazing that even after all those years, they still had hope. But what they were putting their hope in was something that they came up with in their own mind. And, you know, I like to say, like, expectations are different than expectancy, but they kind of had both. They had these this expectant hope, expectancy, but then they had these expectations of how it was going to happen, of how God was going to gonna bring a Messiah and a Savior, right? Yeah, it just reminds me, you know, after you know Jesus was eventually crucified and he made appearances, you know, after his resurrection, there's the story uh, of him walking down the road to Emmaus, you know, with um, with a couple other disciples. Yeah. And basically, they were they were kind of dejected, and for good reason, you know, Jesus has been crucified, and Jesus essentially says, "Hey, hey, guys," um, and they don't recognize him. What's what's why the long faces? What's what's going on here? And and these guys were just like incredulous. Like, have you not heard? Yeah. Where have you been? (laughs) I mean, all the events that have been taking place. And then the key thing is they said, we had hoped, we had hoped that he was essentially the Messiah. We had hoped for something different. And you can just hear the disappointment in their voices. They wanted an overthrow of the current regime. And that, again, was the kingdom that they were expecting, and they missed. They, they missed the, the kingdom that Jesus came to establish um, in terms of a planting of this, this eternal kingdom, this heavenly kingdom in the hearts of men and women. Yeah, and you know, you think about, like, they talk about a Messiah, a Savior, and to them, that meant it was deliverance physically from the Romans, 
at that time, that space, and they had expectations of having a king that would help them conquer the Romans and get their own freedom. But what they didn't know was Jesus came to do so much more. Like, I'm getting excited here. <laughs> he came to not only establish a physical kingdom, which he, he didn't he didn't really do that, but you know, through his disciples and you know, through the kingdom of God, so much happened, but he came to break down and to conquer evil for good. Yeah, and you know, you could go back to uh, when the Israelites were captives under Egypt or under any regime that was going on, including uh, where they were under the Romans at this time. And you can compare that to us today. Now, we as believers today, we actually, as Paul says, we do groan for deliverance. We groan in our human bodies, these fleshly tents. We actually do look forward to a second coming. Yeah. And that's where I wanted to, to quickly refer to the little passage in Revelation chapter 19 where we actually get a, a pretty clear glimpse of, of what this second advent is going to look like. Now listen to this. It's Revelation chapter 19 starting in verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. For he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God the Almighty, like juice flowing from a winepress. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Amen. Now folks, when Jesus comes back, that second time, he's not going to come back as a cuddly baby Jesus. <laughs> and I think what happens today, you know, as we celebrate Christmas and we celebrate celebrate all of the warm fuzzies and all the things that go with that, and, and we're, we're reading, you know, a Christmas story and all the characters around the manger and the wise men and the shepherds, and those are all facts in history, sure. But I think where we as believers can sometimes go wrong is that we can't get past the little baby Jesus in the manger. And we easily forget that he is coming back with full authority and reign in a second advent. And folks, you don't want to be on the other side. Mm. You know, Jesus and his army are still the undefeated, undisputed champions of the universe. True. <laughs> and that will never change. Even Amen. though we do read in other parts of Revelation that 
Men are going to get their armies together and they're going to do all they can to fight, you know. <laughs> and it's almost going to be like, uh, you know, some, you know, an army of men against, you know, small boys. And just the, the breath of God is going to blow over and melt uh, men that come against him. And, and again, that's a whole nother podcast, but what I wanted to refer to is that Jesus is coming again, and this time he is going to establish um, a rule and a reign forevermore, and we as believers look forward to that, and I want to encourage you, if you're not a believer, you don't want to be on that other side where you are not under Jesus' authority. And, yeah, you can uh, take that step today of submitting your life to Christ and saying, you know, I, I admit that I, I am not king of my life, and um, you are, and I, I give my life to you. And, you know, it's interesting because you say, you know, as a baby, you know, Jesus came as the suffering king, but then when he comes back, he's going to become the, he's going to come back as the conquering king, king of all kings. And I think this year, especially as I've been reading back through all the history of the Israelites and the kings, and that phrase, king of all kings, has just really sunk in in a deeper way than it ever has for me before. You know, there were, I mean, the Israelites understood what it meant to have a king, whether it was a king of another nation ruling them or their own kings, but they understood. We in the United States right now, we live in a democracy, but the kingdom of heaven, it's not a democracy and it's not a dictatorship. It is a kingdom where one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And what an amazing thing to celebrate this Christmas, the coming, the advent of the King of all kings. Yeah, and we just want to close um, with one more verse that, again, is uh, popular this time of year. And it's uh, it surrounds, you know, Jesus coming into this world. And Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it just simply says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is mm -hmm. with us. And that is actually from Isaiah chapter 7. So just a couple chapters before... But it's all part of that same prophecy. It just leaks, you know, into chapter 9. We're reading uh, part of it there. But again, 700 years before. But here Jesus finally fulfills that as he's born to a virgin. And just one analogy that has always helped me in terms of seeing just this, this whole God taking on flesh kinds of kind of thing. My, my dad is 13 years older than his youngest brother, Vernon. And when they were growing up, um, my dad, you know, he's 18 years old, getting ready to head off to college. This was in Byron, a little town of Byron, Wyoming, out in the, uh, about an hour and a half east of Yellowstone National Park. And my dad would actually take effort to get down on his hands and knees in the dirt and play Tonka trucks with my Uncle Vernon, who was at that time five years old. 
And that made an indelible impression upon my Uncle Vernon. To this day, my Uncle Vernon considers my dad, you know, really probably his favorite sibling uh, in terms of just the closeness in their relationship. But it was built, you know, when they were playing things like Tonka trucks. My dad would stoop down and play in the dirt with Uncle Vernon. And that has always been a vivid picture for me of Jesus actually stepping out of his place in heaven, stepping into our world, taking on flesh, and essentially getting down on his hands and knees and playing Tonka trucks with us, showing us what God, his Father, was all about, showing us, you know, what it would be like to relate to God, what God's heart and character were toward men and women, and it's just a vivid picture. So whenever I read that verse, you know, that he will, they will call him Emmanuel, God is with us, you know, I think of those Tonka trucks. I think of my dad playing in the dirt with my Uncle Vernon. And it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a great picture because it shows you the relationship that God so desperately wants with mankind. Yeah. So as we, we close, I just want you to also just think about um, the Israelites who had this expectancy for this Emmanuel, God with us, mm-hmm. for this king, for this um, kingdom. They had um, ex- an expectancy, but they also had expectations of what they wanted to see, of what they in their flesh thought it should look like. You know, how many times does God just shatter our expectations of what we think something should look like or what what something will be like? And so I just want to ask you today, um, you know, what do we miss because we have an expectation? Hmm. You know, many of um, the Jews missed Jesus's true reason for coming to the earth because they were looking for what they thought it should look like. Now, you know, there were many people that then did follow Christ and the disciples, most of them gave their lives for the kingdom of heaven, but so many people missed it. So just want to encourage you, you know, just to be asking the Lord for what he has for you to take down any barriers, any expectations. And it was interesting this morning during prayer, I mean, not, not related to this podcast, but I was just asking the Lord what I needed to remove and, you know, any barriers in my life. And I felt like he mentioned this whole thing of expectations. And he gave me a picture of this wall holding back a dam of water. And those expectations can be a limitation to what God wants to do because we put these barriers, these limits, and God wants to break through that dam and allow the flow of his spirit to move in your life in ways that you can't even picture. You can't even think or imagine Ephesians 3.20 right now. It's more than what you can even understand. And so let's just go ahead and close in prayer. Lord, I just thank you so much that you did come to this earth You know, Advent is, you know, just the coming, the arrival. Thank you for coming. Um, I, you know, I I just can't even imagine the sacrifice it was leaving heaven to come to earth. Mm -hmm. Thank you for destroying and demolishing every spiritual kingdom that comes against God, that comes against you and allowing a way for us to have our sins forgiven, for us to, um, 
be in relationship to you for us to have that hope of heaven and nothing based upon what we do or our works, but everything based upon what you did on that cross for our sins. So thank you, Lord. And thank you that you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I just pray that each one of us listening would just really let that soak in this year as we celebrate Christmas, that you truly are the King of all Kings and that you will come back for a second Advent. Mm. And the second time you will establish your kingdom as the conquering King. And we thank you for this and praise you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And Merry Christmas to all. Yes. Merry Christmas to all of you. And thank you so much for listening today. If this episode has whet your appetite to read God's word, we have a free gift for you. Download my husband CJ's ebook, Fuel for the Soul, for free at illuminateshow.com. Let's live illuminated lives. This is the Illuminate Podcast.